Black Lives Matter. Please do everything in your means to help secure justice for George Floyd and countless black people who have been oppressed by systemic racism and social injustice, whether that means joining in peaceful protests or donating to help the Black Lives Matter cause. And welcome to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amit Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And uh, E3 is dead and gone, at least for this year, most likely forever. Um, but in the spirit of E3 season, uh, every year this podcast has been on, we've been doing E3 predictions around this time of year, considering E3 is in June. We're in late May right now. And uh, sort of the spiritual successor to E3, the Summer Game Fest, uh, orchestrated by Jeff Keighley, uh, is happening uh, not over just June, but over the course of, like, I think three or four months, and that's intended to be, like, a sort of extended replacement for E3. So I was just kind of thinking it could be fun to maybe throw some guesses out there as to what we might see during the Summer Game Fest period and maybe see how it stacks up to E3. And I think the most obvious one that I'm going to get out of the way, obviously, we're going to see, we're probably going to get events for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X that are part of this larger uh, Summer Game Fest umbrella. But as for what is exactly revealed there, I'm much, I'm very excited to find out. I think the game reveals are pretty imminent, uh, and we'll get that news here soon. But I don't know, what do you guys want to see from Summer Games Fest, and what do you think we'll see? Uh, I suspect a lot of Direct-style stuff, and uh, I like that a lot. I've always enjoyed a Nintendo Direct more than a uh, uh, an actual like E3 showcase. I know I'm the odd one out there, but... Yeah, so this thing's probably going to be like a series of coordinated Directs. Yeah, or direct and I'm, I'm very excited for that, because that, yeah. it just cuts the nonsense, in my opinion, because the nonsense bores me to tears. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for that. But uh, as far as game announcements, um, I'm just going to say Spider-Man 2, I think, we're going to get an announcement for. Yeah, see, I see I th- it. I think we've talked about this before, but I still feel like it's a little early for Spider-Man 2. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I, I see Horizon 2 as being much more likely. And there's rumors going around that, you know, Insomniac's got more than one team. And people are... I've seen the sentiment over and over again that Ratchet and Clank, a new Ratchet and Clank for launch of PS5 is is likely. I don't know how valid that is, but I've been hearing that a lot. That would surprise me after the reboot, but people didn't love the reboot, did they? I, I really, think they loved I really the enjoyed reboot. it. Yeah, because the first game was a little, actually, more a lot really dated in terms of mechanics, so it really did need a remake. And yeah, plus, yeah. you know, it was just a remake of the first game. This would be an ostensibly brand new. Ratchet and Clank game, which we haven't gotten since, like, the PlayStation 3 era, I believe, which, I don't know, I, like, I, I wonder how far removed we are from the era of, like, mascot platformers being popular, and we are seeing a bit of a resurgence, and maybe maybe this would be a, a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, I would love a new Ratchet and Clank game. I mean, I wouldn't I buy would a too. PS5 for it, but yeah. I would be very excited. But yeah, Ratchet and Clank, I could see Horizon 2 being a launch title. Obviously, Blue Point's Demon's Souls, that's like all but confirmed at this point. 
Um, oh, is it really? I, Jason Schreier has heavily hinted at it uh, in, in numerous occasions, but of course nothing's set in stone until it's revealed. And, uh, well, there's rumors, uh, pretty credible rumors, again, by Jason Schreier saying that the PlayStation 5 games reveal is imminent, as in happening next week, June 3rd, uh, which is very, very imminent. So much so that it's it's surprising to me that Sony hasn't said anything yet. It's it's a little unorthodox for them, I think. So we may well know whether or not our predictions are true very soon. Yes, very much so. And I do think, I think we'll also get at this presentation uh, on June 3rd. Sony's uh, response to Microsoft's uh, smart delivery, because I think you know smart delivery is a very smart thing in especially um, for the early days of a console, right? Like when cross gen's very prevalent. Uh, I think something like that is definitely needed on PlayStation Five, so you don't have to buy the same game twice like you did from PS3 to PS4. I agree. I think that, that's expected at this point, and if it's not there, that'll be extremely disappointing. Uh, so I think we'll definitely see something like that. Um, and I would like to see the box as well, but I, I feel like that's almost pushing it. Yeah, I think I definitely think that's pushing it. But, you know, M- Microsoft showed off their box. So I feel like it's 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 I, I feel like it's time. I feel like. Yeah, but Microsoft's box looks cool. Like I, I've never seen a PlayStation that I think looks cool. Oh, really? You don't think the PS4 looks cool? No, nah, oh, the PS4 cool. looks amazing. Yeah, I thought that was the best designed console of the gen. Not the Not Pro, really. but the the original, the diamond shape. The, the Pro looks really dumb. Uh, yeah, I don't the original like the looks okay. The Pro looks opinion. like a sandwich, honestly. Yeah, I, I hate the look of the Pro. But I don't know, just, just judging by what the DualSense looks like, I feel like if if that's any indication, this console's going to be a looker. If you say so. I don't <laughs> think the DualSense looks that good. I think it looks like a good controller. I don't think it looks cool. Oh, really? I, yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of the DualSense. I, I think it looks extremely comfortable. I mean, it's still yeah. not going to top the uh, Steam controller for comfort, but well, you can't say that until you hold one. Well, so. uh, I might be able to. <laughs> but um, so yeah, that that's PlayStation in a nutshell. We know Xbox is having several events, and I'm I'm guessing those events will fall under the Summer Games Fest uh, slate of games as well. And I'm assuming we're going to get the Xbox Series X launch lineup soon. And we know Halo is a thing, but do we have any out there predictions? Like Banjo-Kazooie, for instance? No, there's oh, no way. There's no way. Yeah, r- unfortunately, Rare is it seems like they've got their hands full with Sea of Thieves. That's sort of their bread and butter now. Yeah, I, I, I would predict a massive Sea of Thieves update probably with next gen. Yeah, which, uh, oh, come on. I, I maybe Rare has another team secretly working on Banjo. I'll never let that dream die. Nah, that dream is as good as dead. Um, yeah, I think Halo is going to be the front runner. I, I just don't even know what Microsoft has to work with, honestly, because we just I mean, had Gears of War five, so there's not going to be another one ready. What for we're going to gen. see potentially is a bunch of new IPs, which is exciting. Because that's super exciting. Yeah, like what else old is there IPs really? Suck. Um, of course, maybe we'd see a Forza on next gen. I think that's pretty standard. Yeah, that's almost guaranteed. I don't know uh, if it'll be launched, but we'll get one. But early. you know, Microsoft does have a bevy of studios, and of course, there's Hellblade too. Yeah, and but that's, I, I don't know if that'll be ready that. for launch. 
But yeah, so Microsoft's a big question too. Uh, but I, I, I kind of wanted to think about Switch. The Switch is in an interesting position. Nintendo particularly is in an interesting position right now, right? Because they're too biggest competitors are gearing up for the launch of a new console what is nintendo going to do to compete and granted they're not direct competitors right they kind of have their own audience but i feel like something has to be done to sort of draw some attention onto themselves right i mean my guess is that they're gonna release a bunch of um (laughs) gonna release the mario remakes (laughs) and that is a big deal but like is it is it like Uh, new console level I've seen a lot of um, predictions of Breath of the Wild 2 coming this year, which... I just don't see it. I would love... I, I, it's it been too. plenty of time. I mean, Breath of the Wild was t- early 2017. It's been plenty of time. I mean, Majora's Mask was made in a year. Yeah. And this is the Majora's Mask of Breath of the Wild, so... Yeah, th- th- those are really good points. Yeah. I-, I guess we could see. It just feels... And that would be like a new console-level announcement, I oh, think. Oh, I, I would be far more hyped for a Breath of the Wild sequel than the PS5 or the Xbox Series X. That would be, yeah, that would be a big announcement indeed. Um, do we think, like, there there have been rumors circulating about, a, like, a Switch Pro for, like, I think a couple years now. Yeah. And I've, yeah, I don't know point, if it exists, yeah. but, like, I feel like now would be a good time to announce it, even if it's not coming out this year, maybe launch early next year or something like that. I I just don't see a Switch Pro happening at all. Yeah, I'm leaning towards it not happening at all, but, like, it's just come up so much. And, like, the Switch Lite ended up being a thing, and that was also a rumored... The Switch uh, Lite seemed like an obvious thing to do, though, to me. It did. But also, like, I feel like... What's the point? I mean, like, the whole point of the Switch is a console handheld hybrid. Why turn that into just a handheld, you know? That immediately cuts off like the functionality of a lot of games too, the games that rely on Joy-Con uh, gimmicks, right? Yeah, but you're saying this about the company that made a 2DS. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a fair counter. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> just well, the thing is, 3DS. Did anyone really ask ask for 3D? You know, like 3D was just kind of like a gimmick. But like, I, mean, I, I feel like it. the Joy-Con functionality is a lot more functional and like useful. I don't know. I, I certainly liked having 3D. I thought it was neat. I It actually kind of hurt my eyes. I remember, like, I most of the time played with the 3D off. It can, made, made me, like, a little... I was, like, a little cross-eyed whenever I played it, to be honest. It felt weird. Hmm. I had no such issues. I, again, I really liked it. I did have the original 3DS, and I... From what I seem to remember from my hands-on time with, like, the newer models, like, that problem wasn't there, so maybe that was a problem with the original or something. The the new 3DS fixed the thing where you had to be looking straight on at the console. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, it was pretty much the same. Yeah, maybe my head, like, just wasn't in the right position or something. Yeah, that's a possibility. But, uh, I don't know. I, I think we have, um... I don't know. I don't see a Switch Pro happening. I could see a new Nintendo Switch happening, which, like, sort of like the new 3DS, where, like, it's, like, a super small upgrade that is totally insignificant, honestly. And they've already done that once with the Switch, right? They've released kind of, like, a newer model with a bigger battery life, but didn't call it anything new. Yeah, no, it was the exact same thing. Just, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think another thing that bears mentioning, um, apparently, like a Japanese uh, magazine or something came out and said that in early June, there's going to be like an announcement from Sega that was like, quote, on the level of like the PS5 reveal when it was first announced. I'm just like, is Sega about to announce a new console? I don't think so. Like, but what could they, that possibly they introduced be? the Genesis 2. Yeah, and I'm like, what What could that possibly be? Sega He's insinuating has, it's like console related. Sega At least has recently announced that they're, um, they're spending more time on Sonic games. They've recently said that they intend to actually start finishing them. <laughs> so I mean, I'll, I, I'll believe that when I see it, to be quite yeah. honest. But I, I bet that the new announcement is a new Sonic game that actually looks decent. Because that would surprise me far more than a good PS5 trailer. <laughs> See, but I feel like you're in the minority, Connor. Like, most people are very ready and hyped for next-gen consoles. I feel like... Oh, like, yeah, I'm hyped. I would be far more surprised to see a Sonic surprised? game that looks good, though. Yes. Yeah, but I think, I don't know, just judging, I'm trying to find the article right now, but for some reason I can't. But I just remember reading it, the vibe I got was just like... Is he about to announce... There's no way Sega has the bankroll to announce a new console. <laughs> I know, right? right? Or maybe, like, like something, like, uh, wild, like, maybe they get acquired by Microsoft or something, you know? Oh my god, that'd be a nightmare. I mean, Phil Spencer has been very vocal about, like, wanting to have a more international-flavored, like, Xbox Global Game Studio portfolio. So... Buying Sega would be such a poor decision, though. <laughs> Like, who knows? Oh, what the this problem is that your mascots aren't interesting. Let's buy mascots that have terrible games. <laughs> like, but like, what a world we would live in if like we had a surprise next gen console, right? Like, yeah, Sega that'd just be insane. entered the ring with like a Dreamcast two to compete with like PS five and Xbox Series X and Switch. I'd buy it just because it would become a collector's item. Yeah, like, cause so few people would. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's another sort of surprising announcement I'm looking forward to. Like, I have no earthly clue, like, in a, in a sane, reasonable world, what that announcement could be. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. But yeah, aside from that, I do hope this summer we'll get, like, a big blowout for Elden Ring, which is quite possibly my most anticipated game I have right now, like, out of any video game I can think of. That would really excite me. I keep yeah. forgetting about Elden Ring and, like, remembering it every couple months. Yeah, I mean, they've been very no news silent that, on it. Yeah, yeah, they've just kind of announced it at the, I think, the Game Awards or something. Like, maybe last year or the year before, and, like, I think it was that's the year it. Before. Yeah, nothing else. So, like, Elden Ring is quite obviously, at this point, a next-generation title. Oh, yeah. Um, but could yeah, be like, cross-generation, but... Could be. But side note, like, I really don't like when developers and publishers do this like i want a six month heads up before a game comes out at the most right like they announced El elden ring you know two years ago and still no sign of it and you know like bethesda with starfield and elder scrolls 6 it's just like see i i have mixed feelings about it because uh, this is kind of tangential but like as an indie game developer i feel like i need to announce a game the moment i plan on finishing it and start building hype around it. Yes, and like yeah, that's that case the right call to make. For sure. Yeah, but but at the same time, like you know, those publishers also want to be generating hype as long as possible. I feel like. 
But I, I guess indie games typically like do weekly updates or monthly updates and keep you informed the entire time and just kind of handle things differently. Yeah. But like some some announcement is just like why did Bethesda have to announce Elder Scrolls Six? It's just like yeah, I don't know. Like obviously they were gonna make it, right? Nobody yeah. thought that that Skyrim was the last Elder Scrolls. And it's a little it's a little silly because they weren't even working on it. They're working on Starfield right now. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, it's kind of a yeah. dumb announcement because it, it was a non-announcement. They just wanted they just wanted the hype at the moment. Yeah. I think they just wanted a really nice conference press conference. And they didn't really get that. In my opinion, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. That was the one where they first showed Fallout 76, I think. I believe that's the one where they showed like a bunch of games, and Fallout 76 was like the main one. But then they announced like Starfield and Elder Scrolls as well. I just, yeah, it was a bad. Nobody wanted Fallout 76. Nobody wanted. Everybody wanted a. Uh, it's like they knew that nobody was going to care about Fallout 76, and so they had to like tacked on, yeah, more exciting things. Yeah. Which, you know, by the way, I think Fallout 76 is, like, free-to-play now. and I, it's uh, still, I don't... It was free-to-play for, like, a weekend. Okay. How's that, how's that game doing? Does anyone know? It, I went to play, and it's still a little buggy, but you know what? Wastelanders actually made it a game. Yeah. And you're you're like our main Fallout guy, so what, yeah, what do you think of it right now? I guess. I are there played, NPCs yet? There are NPCs. I talked to the NPCs after walking my way out of Morgantown because that's the last thing I did in Fallout 76. Yeah. And I went to do the first mission, and the game got stuck in an infinite loading screen. So mm-hmm. it's still not perfect. <laughs> not perfect. But at least yeah, it's one, better. One way of putting it, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, I still have zero desire of playing it. I, uh, which is a shame, right? Because we're all West Virginians here. Like, we would have loved for this game to be good, but in no, in no universe am I touching that game unless something yeah. drastic happens to it. I absolutely like. You guys know I don't love Fallout, but I absolutely would have put up with a Fallout game to, uh, to enjoy a West Virginia game. Yeah. <laughs> and we're never gonna get one again. That was our one shot. Yeah. But yeah. Know. We'll see. You know, any any other like out there predictions for Summer Games Fest? It's really kind of hard to tell at this point, but like we know some things that are definitely happening, but like who knows how this thing will shake out and what Jeff Keighley will make of it. I think we'll have a better idea for next year, but anything else to say for now? Uh, I feel like somewhere in there we're going to get a feature on Spelunky 2. That's not really an out there prediction because that game's been in the works for a couple years now. And uh, Derek Yu's been pretty vocal about, like, where it is and mm-hmm. w- when it's going to get done. But I think, I, I imagine that'll probably be in a Microsoft conference, because uh, that was originally, Splunky HD was originally an Xbox Live Arcade exclusive. Yeah. So I could really see that happening. Epic Any- Games is probably going to announce something. Fortnite-related or new? I, I, they're probably just going to do some sort of, uh, like like, their store. They're going to try to do a showcase or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe announce new community features and stuff. Which, incidentally, uh, Civilization VI is free on the Epic Game Store. Uh, it is not anymore. Oh, I think today's the last day, right? Uh, yesterday was the last day. I don't uh, know if I managed... Okay. Did I grab it? I think I did. 
Because uh, yeah, the I, Borderlands, I, the Handsome Collection, is free now, I believe. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty shocked to hear about that. That's a. I think that's a pretty big get. Now, yeah. Speaking, uh, I'm going to speak a little bit about Borderlands later because I've been playing through three and. Uh, is that why you're? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I managed to grab Civ Six. Yeah, I'm probably going to grab the Handsome Collection, even though um, I consider Borderlands Two totally unplayable unless you mute it at this point. Uh, no, Borderlands Two is great. Handsome See, Jack is an excellent villain. Handsome or, Jack the humor in Borderlands villain. 2 aged like milk, though. Yeah, I I feel like we're in the minority here, Connor. But like, I think I agree with you. Like, I just have no interest in Borderlands anymore. I feel like that that's a relic of of the uh, 2010s at this point. I think it's a super early 2010s. Fl- I, this may not be the most popular opinion, but I actually think that like the dopamine release, the 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 Skinner box of Borderlands is super good. Because I, I remember like spending all my money on the gambling in the. Uh, oh yeah, no, I think that's pretty. That's a pretty common sentiment. Yeah. Like all of that's super good. I had a super good time. And Handsome Jack, I stand by to this day as a fantastically written villain. It's just every other character is unbearable. Like the humor is so terrible. It's all memes that weren't like. Somehow they managed to get the game out while that humor was still relevant, yeah, and I, I think, think that's amazing. And and playing Borderlands 2 on release, because I don't want to take a dump on these writers, because they did a great job, in my opinion, if you played it the year it came out. Because I loved this game. I loved everything about it the first time I played it. But yeah, like, I remember at the time I was pretty pretty into it. But, but two yeah. or three years later, I went back and tried to play it, and I just I couldn't even bear to look at it. And... uh. I still maintain that the best Borderlands game is Tales from the Borderlands by Telltale. I'll disagree. It's the pre-sequel. I actually I never played it's Borderlands pre-sequel. 2. I, no, Borderlands 2 is the best one. The pre-sequel is not very good. The pre-sequel is absolute garbage. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, uh, I'll i talk about Borderlands after I go on my spiel about dialogue and story decisions. So, yeah, I think that's a good uh, transition. Mike, you mentioned you wanted to talk about dialogue uh, this week. So what, what do you have in mind? So first, let me preface this with uh, I was scrolling through PC Gamers feed and they linked to an article from 2015 that was about, like, why the Mass Effect fandom is so crazy. And I love Mass Effect. Don't get me wrong. But are they crazy, are though? I've never heard of that. No, it was someone like. Not that they're crazy, that they're like a unique fan base. Given mm. this was before Andromeda released and everyone had a soul. So <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But it kind of praised Mass Effect as a series that had super, super good writing when when you look at it. And you look at a lot of games. They'll give you a morality system. They'll give you dialogue. And in the end, it doesn't matter. There's Uh, no long-reaching consequences for what you do as a character or what you say in a lot of games. See, that's so tough, though. Like, how can you make there be – like, in the end, this is like – this is a game, right? So it's going to have a set amount of possible ways it can shake out. Like, no one's made a truly dynamic slash – what's the word? Um, But I guess what I'm trying to get across is, like – there's only so many ways a game can go, and to make make it actually feel like to the player that like something they do will will you know like directly shape the impact of the game. I feel like that's a very tough thing to do, and I don't think most games do it. Even games that are like famous for supposedly doing it, like Mass Effect, because we know how it's that ended. Super difficult like, to do it, 
the Tales games don't time. really do it either, do they? They do not at all. No, they don't. They're and just as guilty. In actually, my the Tales games are a little worse within this regard because there's only one way those games end, right? Like the destin the the destination's always the same. It's just the journey that differs whenever you when you play those games. And I think it's tough, like. Yeah, because you either have um, unlimited choice, but a lot of your choices make really small impacts, or you have a couple of fixed choices, and those choices make a big impact, but like, you know, you only have like two options or something, you know. So like, like you look at a game like a game is open ended and arguably with good stories, like Dwarf Fortress, where like you know, every single thing you do is a choice that you're making. But then you look at something like Mass Effect and, like, yeah, you know, they're they're trying to tell a story that, like, someone else wrote, you know? And I really don't think that those mesh super well. Exactly, super The super authorial stories that games like to tell a lot of the time don't mesh super well with these choices, which is why, like, I as a game designer don't really care to give the player a lot of like, I like to give a lot of choice mechanically because that's always super interesting, but narratively, it just doesn't always work super yes. well. And I, I recall the word I was trying to think of before, emergent. There is no such thing as emergent storytelling yet in a game, I don't right. think. But, like, I think, I do think it's possible. We Actually, might not. That's, that's, not, that's not totally true. Yeah? Uh, emergent storytelling is a thing in the MMO space, I believe. Yeah. Uh yeah, based on how the community handles things. And this is like not, you know, this is not a single player thing, but like the story literally hasn't been made yet and it's made by people based on what the players of this MMO have done. And I think that that's super cool even though I'm not yeah. like much of an MMO player these days. Yeah, but like when you try to integrate that sort of thing with like a single player game like Mass Effect, can it be done? I don't know. Like It, it w- I mean the tech <sighs> It just it's one of those things. A, I want to say 20 years from now, yeah. A combination it, of, you know, advanced technology obviously, but also really really good writers to make something like that work. Like I, it would take AI, right? Like <laughs> it uh, would essentially take a dungeon yeah, master. I guess like, like taking a page out of D&D, like AI/machine learning combined like, with writers. Because that's that's like the golden project, right? That that people like games AI would really love to have is like the AI dungeon master from Dungeons and Dragons. Because yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is absolutely that's the entire game is emergent storytelling. Right. Yes. That's the end goal here. Yeah. And like once that exists, games will look to uh, uh, like games will look nothing like they do now once we have that because you can both play story based games and have totally different experiences. Yeah. But that's yeah, that's a hypothetical future, which I hope comes true. But I mean, I imagine I've, it will within the next uh, within our lifetimes. I think that that sort of tech will be possible. Yeah, I like to be surprised by consequences, and Mass Effect never really surprised me with consequences. Since even at the end of the by the end of the games, it didn't matter whether you're Paragon or Renegade. The Paragon See, or Renegade existed in that decision only and didn't carry over later. So Where, thing, like, a game like The Witcher, you make a decision, and three hours later, suddenly something goes terribly wrong. And then three hours further, because of that decision, you can't do something. I do hear that The Witcher does it best out of any game, but I haven't it, played it, it, enough of The Witcher to verify that. 
But that's you had to here. think about your decisions, or you could just think of the way the designers decided the decision would be right. Yeah, but like with Mass Effect, like I think part of the outrage that ultimately happened with that game was that I think like Bioware really kind of led us on to believe that yes, our Paragon Paragon and Renegade choices would carry across games and ultimately shape the story. But as we know, like it ended up just being very situational type thing. And yes, like we'd have characters across games, like like say, you know, for example, spoilers, I guess, for Mass Effect, but the suicide mission in Mass Effect 2, you know, based off like whoever dies in that, they're not in Mass Effect 3, and that's really cool. But like the overall story is unchanged. Yeah. Everyone feels like an accessory to the plot. And but like it, but that's the like thing, I'm, though. It's, like, not a bad thing, though. Like, yeah. I feel like that it's still a nice nice to have that much dyna- dynamism in your story. You know, like, you can't get that in any other medium. You can't get that in movies or books. You're just reading – you're just experiencing the story as it was laid out brick by brick. At least with games, there's a little flexibility, even if the start and end point are, are rock solid and unchanging. Yeah, you I know. just kind of got salty at that article. I don't know why – Maybe because of its age and the fact that it didn't really age well after Andromeda released and the entire Mass Effect fanbase lost their very soul. So were they criticizing the Mass Effect fanbase for their response to the mm. end of 3? Or No, they were – it was more along the lines of like representation in Mass Effect and me and my sister had a lengthy dialogue about it because it's – representation is great. Mass Effect, it feels like – it's just there. Like it's I don't just know if I a factor that it's there. Whereas so, games but, like but how do you mean though? There's like entire other alien cultures and I'm talking about like human like super fleshed out. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like human representation, like sexualities and skin colors. It's there. It's not like it's super subtle, and at the same time, choosing to go into like a different relationship other than like a homosexual not a heterosexual relationship versus a homosexual relationship the dialogue's still the same yeah as well, far i think far those, as I thing, remember. those t- kind of things in games have always kind of been like fluff kind of like accessories yeah, that haven't really like been fluff. paid attention to like it i don't think any like games done race. in depth you know yeah i feel like it didn't need all the play praise that people have hamped on it for that Praise its world design because Mass Effect has a spectacular world design. Just don't praise that little bit. Yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely back that up. I remember like reading, like I would spend hours just reading like codec entries in Mass Effect. Like that's how fascinated I was by that world. Just reading about different races and like their planets and stuff like that. I I think Mass Effect. Mass Effect got a lot of praise for that sort of thing because it was at a time when like that was a bigger deal because nobody else was doing it. Like you didn't have overwatch where like true where, where those sorts of things are more fleshed out like mass effect. Yeah. Maybe it was, you could almost even say it was like maybe pandering or something, but like no one else was bothering to do it at the time. They did it first, maybe not first, but they did it. They were early in. So like, yes, sure. Let let them have some of it, you know? I did have a kind of knee-jerk reaction to the article, maybe because it was from 2015. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
Andromeda pretty much ruined any goodwill I have for Mass Effect as a series. Or oh, for Mass Effect doesn't come back. There's no Mass Effect four. Actually, it ruined any goodwill I have for Bioware. Mass I think like, I think that's Trilogy a separate. I think that's a separate story here. Uh, right. Like I think Andromeda. The whole issue with Andromeda is separate from this. If, yeah. If I oh yeah, no. I'm saying. just saying there, there's not going to be another Mass Effect game. There's I will I will bet you important. money that there is going to be another Mass Effect game. I doubt EA doesn't make games that don't make money, and Andromeda. The, Andromeda. I, mean, I hear rumors that there's going to be a remaster of the original yeah, trilogy. At the very least, we'll, that we'll get hype. Yeah, I but, think that's likely. But Mass but, Effect was already niche, and like. I do believe that in the far, far future, I think we'll see Mass Effect come back. I think they're, I think they're going to wait and let Andromeda evaporate from everyone's sort of memories. So there's no, not that much of a bad taste associated with mass effect because overall like i know the ending with three and andromeda like really put people over the edge but like aside from that mass effect was absolutely revolutionary i was there in the trenches i was hyped for uh, andromeda and then it came out and oh boy still haven't played it i mean bioware like i don't even want to get into this but i'm about i'm about to (laughs) They wow. recently said that they're working on massive upheaval type changes to Anthem, and I'm just like, please, just stop, stop. wasting your time. Yeah, yeah. like no one even playing it. Anthem wasn't even a game; it was just an engine for making good-looking trailers. And yeah, like I, I really think it's the wrong move here. Like they don't need to be. They, they. I wish Bioware would go back to their glory days. They like do what they're good at. They chased the trend here, and it bit them hard, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. This, the same way Fallout 76 did. Like, Yeah. But, I mean, I would argue that Anthem's even more of a failure than Fallout 76, because no one's playing Anthem. I would agree with that. It's uh, it's it's shocking to me that they still... I feel like it's just stubborn, stubbornness at this point, that they're insisting... Maybe it's EA or something, but someone's insisting that they want to make Anthem a thing, and no one wants it to be a thing. I mean, part of it could be... Uh, let me play devil's advocate here. They could feel like they've betrayed their player base and that fixing the game is the only way to make up for that. Sure, but I think in this particular case, like, I think it would be smarter for Bioware to, say, shift off of Anthem, make a new, like, bread-and-butter RPG like they're good at. I, I, I'm inclined to agree because I don't think there's any world in which Anthem gets better. But yeah, they'd have to completely remake the game, I think, like from the ground up. I mean, that's what Final Fantasy XIV did. That's true. That's very true. So stranger things have happened. Um, yeah. But and you know, no, we live in a world where No Man's Sky got redemption, so nothing yeah. surprises me anymore. It's there's it's, it's still just a sh- shame to me as a as I guess at this point I have to say an ex Bioware fan, which hurts to say, right? Like. Bioware doesn't make anything that interests me now. Like, I'm very much looking forward to the next Dragon Age, but I think their emphasis is on Anthem now, and Dragon Age is getting pushed to the back burner, which I feel like they should be doing the opposite. Yeah, Bioware, it doesn't take much for a company to ruin all goodwill that that the fans had for them. Look at Bethesda and Fallout 76. It took one stinker, and everyone is now taking that to, you know... See, Fallout, I Fallout think, 76 I think was so much more than... Has, I, th- I was going to say, it I was, still think it was the Bethesda boiling over, though. 
I have no faith in Bethesda anymore. I have no faith in them. But I, like I, I there's I will not buy the next Elder Scrolls game. I don't know why I would. But um the uh like it Fallout 76 was so much more than one little mistake. Yeah. Like Fallout 76 was a bad game and I would have forgiven it immediately. Like but they didn't it, just make a bad was, game. It, it was they kind made of a insulting, bad game, right? They it made was, it monetized extremely aggressively. They yeah. doubled down on their they doubled down on their bad game. Yeah, no, but they they were basically like, no, this is this is why this was offensive to me. They were like, we know this game is bad, but we know we're Bethesda, so we know you're going to give us money, so we're going to put this game out anyway. That's what it yeah. read like to me. And, and and you know, I hate that Bethesda is like that because they have so much control over some of my favorite games. Like, you know, they've really screwed up uh, some stuff with Doom Eternal recently. I, I don't know if you guys saw any of this, but uh, and I don't want to get into the technical bits of this too much, but they. Uh, introduced de nouveau anti-cheat after the fact in Doom Eternal, and you had to have it in order to play single player. Hmm. And like, there are people who don't want. Uh, this is another kernel level uh, driver for anti-cheat. Yeah. And while I would be, I know de novo is not a real popular name in uh among PC gamers, but I would rather have de novo probably than something made by Riot because it's just probably more competently made. Mm-hmm. I but mean, were, Vanguard works great. There were reports of um, immediately there were reports of slowdown and stuff in the single player game, and pe- people were just upset about it because it, this was it, they didn't agree to have this software installed on their computer when they bought the game. So yeah, but it's actually getting removed. So like, I don't know. I feel like there's some internal battle going on all the time of ID versus Bethesda, but I I really don't like that they are uh burdened by having bethesda as a publisher yeah i mean i think all this goes to show that especially in the gaming industry nothing is concrete you know like someone who's on top you know 10 years ago can be reviled 10 years later right like everything's constantly in flux makes the future really kind of interesting to predict i don't know i mean i think it's kind of funny because bethesda really just like it's the same issues people had with skyrim and then they just kind of compounded and compounded. Like, eventually people did get upset that they were releasing buggy games that barely worked. Well, see, like, before, Bethesda was special because, like, they were the only ones who made games like this, right? And then, like, everyone else started making games like this, and they didn't have the problems that Bethesda's games had. And then they were yeah, out of sudden, suddenly, like, yeah, how do you get away with this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would still argue that nobody makes a game quite like Bethesda. No, like, I, I agree with that. Agree nobody's with that. made a world quite as rich as Skyrim. However, there are several worlds I that feel I, like would, the, arg- like, I would argue that The Witcher 3 is, even without beating it, just based off what I've seen. But uh, You see, that's a possibility. I haven't played that yet. But I, my, my thought was that like even though Breath of the Wild is a far more shallow world, I would much rather spend time in it, Breath yeah. of the Wild's Hyrule. Just the, even like on an environmental storytelling level, it is more interesting to me than anything was in Skyrim. Yeah, but I think however Breath- I can't read every single book in <laughs> you know in yeah exactly yeah well you you literally can but like you know yeah there aren't very many yeah I think when we get to the like the Breath of the Wild versus Skyrim comparisons I feel like they're it's just apples and oranges yeah I they're think like it's completely different largely yeah. but like. Like, a more apt comparison would be, like, Skyrim versus Witcher 3, I think. Yeah. Or even, like, Assassin's Creed at this point. Well, hmm. 
that's more debatable. But no, I mean it would have to be another RPG, and uh, I don't know. I just don't think that a lot of the focus that Skyrim has on like like their world building is interesting and stuff, but it's a lot of tell don't show, which is not great world building. Yeah, and it's also a, a buggy mess. So like I I just don't have the the same respect I used to have for them. I uh, I do wish, and I'm so upset that people keep bringing this up. The fact that they're using the same engine game to game is not the problem. Like that that upsets me so much when people are like, "Oh, looks like it's another game in the Morrowind engine." Like, yeah, uh, that's fine. Every modern engine is built on Quake. It doesn't matter, guys. Like, it's <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Like uh, a new engine the, the wouldn't fix their problems automatically. Yeah, the difference between upgrading an engine and making a new engine are so small. Like. Like the Godot did not originally ship, I don't believe, with networked multiplayer. Yet it is a a perfectly functional engine using its networked multiplayer system. So like, it is not the engine's fault that the multiplayer in Fallout 76 is buggy. It's just not. Well, I mean, it is the it is the Fallout 76 engine's fault, but it's not the fact that they were like updating an older engine. Like that's just not how engine development works. It's all iterative. So. You know, maybe they need to go back and do a huge rewrite because none of the iterations they've done have been any good. But the fact that they are iterating on an engine is not the problem. Yeah. Um, and it frustrates me to no end <laughs> that the, all these back, you know, all these pretend programmers are yelling at Bethesda when I should be the one yelling at Bethesda. <laughs> well, you know, there's no excuse for their bugs. It's just they're yelling about the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. But, I can't uh, I excuse just, their spaghetti code. It's not that the engine's bad. It's because Bethesda's spaghetti code is bad. Maybe. You know, I, I haven't read their code base. I, I I don't know enough about what they're working with, but I do think that a lot of the stuff is kind of inexcusable. It's a lot of let's let the mod the modders will fix it. Yeah, and that's super uncool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back to what you said about like show don't tell. That's kind of part of the reason I'm really excited for Ghost of Tsushima, because it's really sort of it seems like to me it's adopting that mantra really well. Yeah, and I think that loops back, like, uh, our original intended topic here was dialogue, and I think yeah. show, don't tell um, is super important, because the first thing I thought, like, when Mike texted us that he wanted to do dialogue, like, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, what is a man, a miserable little pile of secrets? See, okay, so the first thing that came to my mind, did you guys ever play Heavy Rain? No. It's just like that awful, like, so it's a Quantic Dream game, and like all the dialogue is voiced by people who obviously like English isn't their first language, but the entire game's in English, and it's just very awkward. That's that's I, the that's what immediately sprang to my mind, but yeah. I, I think... What is a man? That that spiel from Dracula is weird, but I would also say that it's incredibly effective. Like, this is Dracula. He doesn't like you. He's going to kill you. That's your setup. Like, you're good. That character is fully established. He hates humanity. He's going to fight you. Mm-hmm. You've got everything you need to know about Dracula from what he looks like and this w- couple short lines. And I think Shovel Knight does it really effectively, too, even though Shovel Knight's a much goofier. Excuse me. Even though Shovel Knight's a much goofier game, yeah, the um, the like little like one or the really short bit of dialogue before you fight the bosses gives them 
an enormous amount of character compared to something like the Robot Masters. And I would also say that it's more effective than, like, the Mega Man X dialogue, because, like, they managed to, in in these very short spiels, they're like, ah, this character had this problem, and the Enchantress was able to convince them to work for her by solving this problem for them. Like, you know, they they were all actual characters. All these games you're referencing have one thing in common, in that they their dialogue was solely through text right now we have text as well as voice and i would say voice is actually like the primary way of delivering dialogue and that introduces a whole new dimension of potential issues but also like a whole dimension of actual potential i think you know like a a well-voiced game uh can do so much to elevate it i think like uh, yeah i think i think i think i uh, use those well actually uh what is a man is voiced Oh, right, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's yeah, extremely campy. Right. But, yeah. um, but, like, when I think of, like, I don't think of, like, so, like, Nathan Drake, right? Like, Nolan North playing Nathan Drake. I feel like that, I don't want to say that, like, it's the performance of a lifetime or anything like that, but I want to say, like, he just fits that dialogue so well. It's like, oh, it's like I don't even think about it twice, you know? Like, and that game like just wouldn't so really natural. work. It wouldn't work with written dialogue, I feel like. Like, yeah. It's the delivery. Yeah, that, it really is. And and I don't think I, I want to take a step and say, like, I think it's easier to pick out how good the writing is in a game when it's purely text. However, I don't think that it is poor writing to make something like Nathan Drake, because obviously that's not true. Like Nathan Drake. Yeah, Ellie, once you bring and, a voice element to it, you know, like it adds a whole other, you know, right. Like, it's a totally different ball field. Exactly. Yeah. Because Nathan Drake, uh, and I know I'm always talking about how I don't think The Last of Us is a masterpiece, but the vo- the writing for dialogue in The Last of Us is incredible. Yeah, both Joel and Ellie are like Oscar level performances. I would argue, like. Yeah, I, I would agree. Incredible. With that. Yeah. Which oh, and uh, I'm I, so excited for The Last of Us too. Sorry, we were I talking about this earlier, but Handsome Jack, you know, some of the stuff he says, like. I don't. Uh, his delivery was fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, just like some some of the stuff he did and said could have come off as cringy if not for the fantastic performance. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Like if you just read that on a page, you'd be like, "What is this nonsense?" You but know? Handsome Jack was a phenomenal character because his actions and his dialogue lined up so perfectly. Like he mm-hmm. actually did. And I, I watched a video essay on this recently. It was comparing the villains of Borderlands 3 to Handsome Jack and why Handsome Jack is so much more effective. And Handsome Jack just hates you. Like, his entire goal is to stop you because you're the bad guy to him. Like, mm-hmm. and that's such good. And his dialogue shows it. He's like, he thinks he's better than you the entire time. And, like, yeah. Like, you, you are essentially a bandit. But... I yeah, Handsome Jack is one of my favorite villains of all time. Yeah, his 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 uh, performance was definitely legendary. I'm trying not. To, I know it's an old game, but there are still moments in that game that I would not want to spoil for anyone. Like, it, it is rare that a goofy game like that can bring me so close to tears. But there is definitely a moment in Borderlands mm-hmm. 2 where I where I was there. Yeah. Well, Mike, did that did that uh, satiate you? Yeah, I'm satiated. Okay, now I'm gonna complain God. more about dialogue. <laughs> Go for it. So I, I've been playing through Borderlands three, and uh, oh boy, 
it's bad. Yeah, See, story-wise, it's it's a stinker. I never finished Borderlands three, but like the, I guess if I could sum up my feelings for that game in one word, it'd be meh. Like it, I just didn't it's care. A big old meh. Uh, yeah, I am. I didn't think it was people. bad. I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't care. The game's was, good. The story isn't. Yeah, I saw that the antagonists were like live streamers or whatever. Yes. God. And I immediately was like. Oh, I re- I really wanted to play this game. I guess I don't get to. Like, <laughs> the game goes herder fart joke herder. We're live streamers every three minutes, and it really really gets grating. I remember how annoying that was. Yeah. I mean, was it's, it the same writers? Because like it no, was. No, it's uh, not. Okay, I was gonna say because it was There's Ashley Birch's brother. Jack in Borderlands Two. Everyone's a handsome Jack in Borderlands Three, and it's awful. Yeah, that would be. Well, I also hear that like. At a lot of points, it doesn't really make sense why the antagonist hates you so much. I haven't actually played the game, but I have heard that. No, I have no idea why the antagonist hates hates us. Like, I don't know why their they their motives are unknown to me. How far into the game are you? Uh, I'm like five or six chapters from the end. We're gonna okay, know, so far enough that you should know what's going on with the antagonist, probably. Yeah, over halfway. Like, yeah, I, I heard which, that like. The girl's uh, trying to become, like, a goddess or something. Something like that. The, I mean, the, like, I think their whole thing was that their persona was that they were, like, people, their fans regarded them as goddesses or something, if I remember right. Gods and goddesses. Ugh. Everywhere, and I also just like, never, like, Handsome Jack scared me. He was a little, not, not like, not, like, shaking in my seat scared, but, like, he was an intimidating villain. He had something a lot not, He had yeah. a lot going for him. And, like, so. just looking at the design of the twins, they look like punks that I could punch in the nose. Like, going back to your discussion about, like, show, tell, not show. Show, not there tell, are, you mean? Yeah, show, not tell. There are so many occasions <clears throat> where instead of, like, making it implied that they're awful... They'll just be like, oh, yeah, here, you're locked in place while they completely murder a character. Just right in front of you. You can't do anything even though you're in the same room. Like, it just feels like a cop-out. Everything is just, like, a cop-out or a plot convenience. Yeah. And I just can't. Yeah, and that sucks. I don't understand why they wouldn't have kept the Borderlands 2 writers. Because, like, I know what I said about the Borderlands 2 writing and how it didn't age well. But, like... I don't know. I feel like they could have adapted. Yeah. You know, they could have seen that credit. They were not bad writers by any means. They were excellent, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, it's a shame that they didn't have more of them back. Like, don't get me started on Eden 6. The game's pacing is awful. The first, like, few hours you're going from planet to planet, and then you get to Eden 6, and you're on Eden 6 for four hours. Four hours! That doesn't sound very fun. It was not. It's a giant swamp. Every <laughs> oh, other planet God. you were in and out of in like an hour or two. This was three hours of going back and having to deal with the same exact enemies for four hours. It's not fun. It's yeah, not I mean, a good arc. Planet, you weren't planet hopping in Borderlands 2, but I don't remember staying in any one area for more than like 40 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Like, just, you just got so tired of this sprawling area because everything looks the same. Yeah, that was my beef with Borderlands 1. That's actually why I've never finished it, is because I feel like every area in the entire game looks the same. Like, take me back to... And then it, then you just go right back to, like, Pandora. Like, come on. Yeah, hmm. I mean, I think 
So, like, this might be a separate topic, but I just wanted to touch on the point that in today's day and age, everyone wants to bring back everything, you know, like, but I think sometimes it's okay to just leave things in the past, right? Like, I think Borderlands 2 was a product of its time, and it was great back then, but, like, it does not belong right now, in my opinion. It's not a good, it was not a good Like, I don't, I think Borderlands is one of those things they should have just moved on from, but, like, you know, how everything is, like, everything has to come back now. Like, literally everything. We can't leave anything behind. And I think that's uh speaks to a larger problem with, like, our entertainment culture as a whole. But, like, I think Borderlands 3 being kind of meh is a product of that. Speak for yourself. I'm buying that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 <laughs> oh, <yeah>. remake. <laughs> yeah, no. People yeah, are people that. are... So, I actually never played those Tony Hawk games. So, I'm actually kind of looking forward to trying them for the first time. Oh, my God. I Yeah, I had to start emulating tony hawk pro skater one because my mom sold my copy as a, when i was a kid and i'm still not over it but whatever do that? i i'm not getting into it on the podcast i'm still okay. mad though but um <laughs> uh god i grew up like those games were so formative for me and like music tastes like I'd, I'd be down to talk about actually that might be my game i'm talking about uh for now do we want to do we want to switch over to that we we have been mike's we been talking been. about borderlands is, 3 i'm talking about, i'm ranting about borderlands 3 huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the game I've been playing uh, this week is Tony Hawk Pro Skater. The original. Uh, the original. And uh, I love those games. I've, I've watched countless video essays about them. I would say that they were very, very formative in my music tastes. Like, I, I don't think I would like Ska if not for Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And uh, I only ever had the first one, but my cousin had uh, a bunch of them. And it's just like... They really captured, like, the skate punk attitude and stuff. Like, the stuff you're collecting is VHS tapes. Like, mm-hmm. it, very, it's really... Very like, 90s. Yeah, they captured the whole culture. Like, I think some of the later games had, like, spray paint, like, graffiti mechanics and stuff. But, like, the first one is just, like... It's, like... it, it It's almost like dropping you into something the size of a Super Mario 64 level. But instead of... Like, you have collectibles to find... But you also, like, are graded on how cool you look while you do it. And I think that's yeah. awesome. Like, there's so much cool stuff you can do. There are, like, secrets to find. Like, it's really designed like a 3D platformer in a lot of ways. Like, but you have to do tricks and stuff to increase your speed and, like, get up to certain places. And there there are things that are actually genuinely secrets that you have to find. And those are really cool. And you have to, like, find so many VHS tapes to get to the next level. Like, it's really a 3D platformer, but then it's also a skating game. That's exciting. Yeah, like I like I said, I missed this the first time around somehow. It's a big blind spot in my gaming uh, history. But I do think it's exciting that, like, from what I've seen, Tony Hawk's uh, Pro Skater 2 is, like, one of the highest rated games of all time. Oh, yeah. So, it is, It is from what I've heard, like, just a straight-up improvement on the original in every way. Oh, you haven't played the second? I have never played the second. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I think that that one's got, like, the same, like, Metacritic scores, like, Ocarina of Time or something crazy like that. Yeah, I mean, they're very good games. Like, they're, obviously, I don't care about skating at all, and I love them. Like, Yeah, I, mean, I really don't know anything about skating, but just the pedigree of this game is what's drawing me to it. And I think it's funny, because, like, if not for Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I wouldn't know who Tony Hawk was. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Everyone's heard of Tony Hawk. I This is how I learned who he was. Mm. Okay. I might. I think he was in a Sweet Life of Zack and Cody episode. I might have <laughs> learned who he was there, but like. I think he was in a Rocket Power episode. Did you ever watch Rocket Power? 
Nah, I think I was slightly too young for Rocket Power. Rocket anyway, Power is all about skating. Yeah. No, I've, I've seen an episode or two, but I never watched Rocket Power. Yeah. I know the whole woogity 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 thing. <laughs> woogity woogity woogity. But, like, yeah, I mean, the yeah. And, like, the, the developers, I guess, could skateboard and stuff, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater developers, and they, like, really understood the culture and stuff. Cool. And I believe Tony Hawk himself, like, was playing the prototypes the whole time, too. Like, that was one <laughs> of the one of the agreements to get his name attached was that, like, he wanted to help work on the game. Yeah. And, so, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know him, but he sounds like a classy dude, so. So this is, yeah, this is like a ground-up remake, much in the line of, like, you know, Shadow of the Colossus or whatever. Yeah, and I'm a little worried about it because, like, I don't want them to change the physics at all. That would Oh, ruin. I don't think they would. Because, well, they've done a ton, like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater games happened for a long time, and, uh... And they sucked I'm, after two, right? No, I think they sucked after three. Hmm. I don't think three was, I think three was, like, largely panned for not being as interesting as two. Like, it just didn't add as much. Mm-hmm. But it was still a, it was still a good game and got good reviews. It just, like, they didn't add to it the same way they did, but they didn't iterate nearly as strongly between uh, 2 and 3 as they did between 1 and 2. Yeah. But then they, you know, they started doing Tony Hawk's Underground, and, like, it really was, like, once the graphics got better, they started making the physics more realistic. It, at least that's what it looked like to me from the outside. And suddenly it just wasn't interesting anymore. And there have been a ton of games, like Skate, I don't think people liked too much. And, uh, yeah, Skate tried to replace uh, Pro Skater, and I don't think they succeeded. I'm actually a little bummed. Uh, not bummed, but the Tony Hawk Pro Skater remake is going to probably cannibalize a lot of sales for an indie game I've been kind of interested in for a long time called Skatebird, which was uh. just trying to be a really goofy, like, hey, people don't make these Tony Hawk games anymore. Somebody needs to. And uh, Yeah, that's that's probably going to kill it. Yeah, that'll make me really sad because there was a ton of pa- like I'm still gonna buy this game, but there was a ton of passion in it. Mm. And uh, when are the, when when are these remakes coming out again? I have no idea. They were just announced recently, and the yeah. most important thing that they announced, in my opinion, is that they were getting the songs back, at least most of them. Yeah, I know that's like an integral part to the experience. So oh, check speaking it out. Speaking of games that are maybe coming back, I've, I've heard rumors of a Scott Pilgrim vs. the World re-release to coincide with the 10-year anniversary of the movie mm-hmm. later this year. Which would be interesting because that's one of the games that have been lost to time because of licensing issues. You cannot buy the original anywhere anymore. You would have to buy a console that already has it installed on eBay or something. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it comes back. And it's, it's an actually good game. It was like the first good movie game I ever played. I, uh, I still have it installed on my PS3. Nice. Yeah. But that'll do it for me. All right, I guess I'll, uh, I'll round us off here. I've been playing Endless Space 2. So this is a sort of continuation of my search for uh, a 4X game to capture my imagination. And uh, I mentioned last week, I think I dabbled with it a little bit, but I've played, I put several more hours into it. And it really clicked with me. I'm really enjoying it. Um, still, I don't want to... Obviously, I've still only scratched the surface because I haven't even completed my full game yet. But I'm in, I'm enjoying how all the various systems intermingle. And uh, I took your recommendation, Mike. You recommended I play as the Sofons, and that's what I'm doing. Uh, oh, very, yeah, they're the most traditional 4X yes. faction. 
Yes, very science-based. I will say, though, that um, my civilization was bumped up right against a very aggressive civilization, the Leapers. Oh, yeah. And they immediately declared war on me and just took a few of my systems. And So most of my game, I've been embroiled in this war with the Leapers, which kind of sucks because I don't think that's the intended play style of the Sophons. Yeah, the Sophons are more diplomatic and research-based. Yeah. But you still go to war, and when you do go to war, you usually have the better technology. But uh, I do think it's interesting that, like, uh, like their combat system, I think it's interesting how, like, you can order your fleets into, like, certain formations, and that actually impacts the flow of the battle. Uh, and it impacts if you win or not, like, depending on where your fleet is positioned. I think that's a very interesting mechanic that I really wasn't expecting anything like going in. And... And it gives the combat like much more depth than something like uh, Civilization, for example. So that's really cool. <clears throat> and I'm enjoying like uh, discovering all the various systems, like the like the global market, and like how you can buy and sell things in the global exchange, and like uh, how the the government system works, and how there's like different like political factions that can gain power based off the policies you pass, and like there's elections and the the power of those parties can shift based off the results of those elections, which in turn affects your empire in different ways. And I think all of that gelling together is really cool. Um, and uh, I guess I'm just excited excited to ex- experience more of it. I feel like I've still barely scratched the surface, but there's there's just so much to each of these uh, 4X strategy games. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. Do you have any thoughts on Endless Space 2, Mike? I mean... Uh- I played maybe once or twice through Endless Space. I've played a lot more Endless Space 1. But Endless Space 2 introduced unique colonization mechanics for each of the factions. So the Sofons oh, really? are the only ones who do the traditional send a colony ship out to the planet. Oh, colonize. wow. Okay. That's interesting but, to me, because that's all I've experienced. I'm curious to see yeah. what else there is. That's why I said the Sofons are the more traditional. Like, one of them has to spread roots and expands really slow. Because they have to root their way to the next system. Mm-hmm. Like when I finished my game of Sophons, they had only expanded to three systems. Yeah, my Civ is pretty small compared to uh, like most of the other Civs I met in the game. So uh, I guess it's good to hear that's by design, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I've been having a good time. And uh, I think I think that'll do it for us this week. I'm personally very excited for next week. Uh, I think by the time we record next week's episode, we'll have a good idea of what's going on with PlayStation 5. Uh, and I'm sure, I, I sure am excited to talk about what we see there. Um, but for now, thank you, thank you, Connor and Mike. Yeah, man, anytime. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please click the link in the description of this podcast to follow our Discord. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you may use. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.